Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. This is episode 34. I'm Art Regner, and uh, very special show today. Uh, we're going to talk about hockey, but not in the way you think we're going to talk about hockey. Uh, my guest is Marcel Parent, Director of uh, uh, Curation and Content Activation for Olympia Entertainment. So let's bring Marcel in. Uh, Marcel, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Art. It's, it's an honor to be with you today. Well, thank you. Uh, uh, you're too kind, and I, I truly mean that. Uh, this is a long title. <laughs> and when I think curation, mm -hmm. I think the Detroit Institute of Arts just down the street here uh, on Woodward, uh, that it's a museum kind mm -hmm. of feeling. That's what I've always gotten with Curator. Can you? maybe in a nutshell, kind of explain exactly, because you have a vast and interesting job, no doubt about it, exactly what you do. Well, um, you know, thank you for that opening, Art. Um, uh, curation is a big word, and you're right in how people imagine, um, in what people imagine curators do. Um, they, they typically place them in museums. But curators are storytellers. They have a story to tell, either that they want to tell or that somebody's asking them to tell. And they have to choose what items they bring along to tell that story, how the story's gonna you know, develop, and how it's gonna be laid out. And whether you do that for an art collection or in a natural history museum or for a sports team, there are a lot of similarities. Ultimately, my, 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 my colleagues and, and myself are here to tell the story of the Red Wings, one of the most storied franchises in all of professional sports anywhere. And we had 90 years of stories to go through. We wanted to make sure that we did justice to the great moments, the great players, and in a more traditional curation way, pulled out some cool items, some cool pictures, some cool videos, and tied it into stories people could relate to. Um, I like when you said storytellers, because again, I would think curator it has an art history major or something, where, but are you, are you a historian? Did you study history? How did you end up being a curator? Because I find it fascinating. <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none. I love that. So, uh, for my own professional career, the, the, the string that ties it together is actually education. Mm -hmm. I've always loved teaching people and teaching, thing, teaching them things, sometimes that were very formal and sometimes that were more about exploring the world. And through the different startup projects I've been involved in, um, I've had an opportunity to share with them you know, different elements of the world around them. And as I've done more and more work as a curator, I moved a little bit from educating people to this actual storytelling. And this is what we're doing right now. This is part of the vision of the Illich family for Little Caesars Arena, storytelling. The franchise is, is so amazing. I mean, very few, very few sports teams anywhere has this kind of pedigree. Mm -hmm. And because of it, you have some of the most enthusiastic fans in the world. I mean, there's a reason this is hockey town. Mm -hmm. And people love the Red Wings. There's an admiration for, you know, that the great players have been here, but also for the pride of what the franchise has done. And we, 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 we wanted to do this in a way that um, created a sense of permanence. You know, putting stories out there that people could walk by, see some cases, some photographs, some videos, and interact with all those components in a way that would be very memorable. This arena, and I'm a native Detroiter, and that stood out to me, the first day I actually got to see it was the last day of the game at the Joe. I went with the Red Wing alums to tour it in the morning, and I told the people from Plant Moran who were showing me around, I said, wow, 
this red brick and even the vents look like Olympia. I, I'm old enough to remember Olympia. So I actually saw you know the Red Wings play there. I said, wow, this is this is incredible. And then as I walked around, and it was pretty roughed out at that time. It's not what you know. I know you were still in the creative pl <laughs> you know uh, plans at that point. I looked around, and I and I said to myself, my gosh, this is going to embrace the city. I mean, it's, it, when you look at it, 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 and I think Henrik Zetterberg said it, and this is what I really love about this whole atmosphere, this whole environment that you helped create, is that it looks like Detroit. It doesn't look like it's from outer space or something. It doesn't have all this glass and jagged mm -hmm. stuff and shooting up to the moon. Although I think Dan Gilbert's going to make a building that's going to look like that here. But, but, but with all that said, um, when you were hired on, was it, did they give you that impression was is that this has to be an arena that whether you're an eight-year-old Detroiter or a 98-year-old Detroiter, you feel like this is who you are, if that makes any sense. Absolutely, and, and you know, you, you really picked up on the mood that uh, the architects and the family, the Illich family was trying to, you know, we're trying to create here. There is something uniquely authentic about Detroit. If we were going to have a new arena here, a glass and concrete arena, you know, sort of AT&T Stadium, but the hockey version, right. you know, would not do. No disrespect to the Cowboys or to, you know, Jerry Jones. Right. You know, it's a different kind of model. This is not what the... This was not the vision for this place. This needed to be authentic. This needed to feel like Detroit. This needed to capture the richness of Detroit, the complexity of Detroit, the feel, the layering of Detroit. You know, a right. lot of people have tried to simplify Detroit into a, a newspaper headline or, or a couple of images. And right. Detroit is so much more complex than that. And that's why, as you know, people are, are kind of surprised that the new Detroit that we have now, and they shouldn't have been, they shouldn't have been surprised. Right. If, if for those who live here, um, you know, this renewal, this rebirth is, is not a shock to anyone. It was just a matter of time in many ways. And to a certain extent, the, the arena was about capturing that spirit and authenticity was something that we always went back to. You know, how authentic does this feel? Right. Is this part of the texture of, you know, Detroit life, of Detroit architecture? Right, right. And I think as you walk around the outside of the arena and you see that it feels like it's composed of different buildings, but buildings that are inspired by other architecture, this is a continuation. This is not meant to be a break that's, you know, totally out of nowhere. And, um, you know, there's some amazing people that have had, you know, great ideas. The execution's been wonderful. And, and we're just so pleased that people have reacted to it in such a positive way. You get hired. You come to Detroit mm -hmm. two years ago now. It's a hockey team that's won 11 Stanley Cups, more than any other American franchise. Uh, I know your hometown Canadians are at 24, and I would argue with you if Jack Adams didn't rip the Red Wings apart that Detroit-Montreal would be a little bit closer maybe in Cups, and they'd definitely be past Toronto. Hmm. I always have to jab the Leaf fans. <laughs> <laughs> but, but where do you start? Where did you begin? I mean, because you had so much. I mean, if you put an all-time Red Wing team together, they can rival any franchise with Gordy and Ted and Steve and Sergey and Nick and Red Kelly. I mean, we can go on and on and on. Terry Sawchuck and Nett. I mean, this seems like was this a an undertaking? I'm sure you embraced, but there was there was it overwhelming at times too. It's projects like these are always overwhelming, and especially when you have the honor and the pleasure of being involved in such a rich history. So to your point, um, when I was brought in two years ago, the mandate started off simply enough. Put history in every space. <laughs> Have the arena dripping with heritage. Um, 
an incredible vision from the Illich family. And of course, <laughs> how that gets executed over time, um, that's the devil's in the detail. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, um, we, we, it was a matter of getting immersed in the history and digging up the stories that everybody knows but maybe seeing if there's anything that's been missed. You know, how do you keep that fresh? Right. And pulling up some of the stories that people don't know or they've forgotten. And to your earlier point about doing something that's exciting for the person who's 80 years old or eight years old, right. we wanted to bridge the generations. We wanted to remind the old timers that there wasn't just how Delvecchio and Lindsay, right. or you know how Lindsay and Abel. Right, the production uh, line was great, but that just isn't the Red Wings. That's 60 years ago. Right, right. And we wanted to remind the, the new fans that before Iserman, before Lidstrom, before Zetterberg, there was a legendary team that could match up with any others. Right. So we really wanted to bring that along. One of the first challenges we had was where do we focus our attention? And a very intentional decision was that the Red Wings have always prided themselves on their sense of team, on their work ethic, and it would have been easy to focus on their seven retired jerseys but that doesn't do justice to the team. Right. I remember in one of my earliest meetings here, I got a chance to sit down with the alumni, and I was struck by just being an observer to their discussion about the, the players, the former players that were there, and no matter how famous or obscure the folks who were in the meeting uh -huh. you know, were, if you had worn the winged wheel jersey for one single game, you were a Red Wings alumni. Right. And this really inspired us to share the love, show the love to a lot of different players. As of the start of the season, there are 911 players that have been officially, for at least one game, have been Red Wings. Red Wings. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to tell the story of as many of them as we could. Obviously, you're going to get a bunch more Howe stories and a bunch more Iserman stories. Um, and and you know, that's just because of the players they were. But we also wanted to spread it around and talk about all of the players as much as we could. And of course, we haven't you know, pulled out stories on all 911 of them. Right. Uh, but uh, over time, we hope that we'll be able to catch a lot of them. And, and for the record, all 911 of them can be found on the interactive touchscreens. Right, right. So, um, so that was one, you know, our first big decision for us. We focus on just a few, and it, it felt right to show the love to as many players as possible. But that, you know, to your point, that, that is overwhelming. So you start narrowing stories, you start talking to the folks who really know the most about the franchise, you, you, you kind of talk with the fans about, you know, what's most significant. And then we got into um, a little bit of a structure where we um, try to figure out how do we make this experience the most memorable? Right. And we broke it down in focusing team history in five areas. The great moments, the great milestones, the great players, the great topics, venues, mm -hmm. all-star games, and cool places and things. And prioritizing those kind of provided us with a, a, a bit of a roadmap to connect with 
the fans, the players, and the colleagues who work here. This place is also for the colleagues, it's also for the players. It's very much for the fans, and we wanted to focus our stories on, on, on that hierarchy so that individuals could remember those great moments and say, you know what, when we won that cup in 97, I can tell you exactly where I was. Right. Although by now, despite the fact that Joe Louis Arena could hold only 20,000 people, if you have a survey, you'd probably find that a quarter million people will tell you that they were there. <laughs> during. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so, uh, you know, during those play that playoff run, but be, be that as it may, um, we, we had to narrow down, focus on great moments to build that you know, connection that the fans you know, feel that they have with the team. Um, I could go on. I mean, I, we could talk about this. Probably people are saying, all right, okay, Art, I know you're fascinated by this. And it's not that we're not, but what did, what's Marcel done? What's he doing? What, what can we see and, and what's coming up? Some surprises and, cause this is, this is a, uh, this is a fluid situation. Mm -hmm. It's your, it's a, what you see today, you may not see a month from now, or you may, it still may be there, but you're still going to add on to it. Absolutely. So history stands still for no one. Mm -hmm. So we have many more stories to tell. In addition to this, there's some stories that we just didn't have time or we couldn't put together, you know, for year one. Right. So, heritage at Los Caesars Arena is meant to grow with the team. There'll be new history being made year to year. And there are some stories that we're kind of sad we didn't get into that we're going to want to bring up. So um, we're going to change the exhibits, not, not, on a, not on a monthly basis, but I would say enjoy the arena as it is right now this year, because I'm not going to guarantee that we're not going to change some things <laughs> out by next year. So what can people see? When they come to Little Caesars Arena, they've got to do a walk through the Via. We have some great cases with artifacts in plain view for everyone to see. We have four cases that will have really cool items, all with very special stories, both for the Red Wings and the Pistons, by the way, mm -hmm. because Little Caesars Arena is also the home of the Pistons. So we have artifacts from both teams. We have history from both teams that's there. You've got to check out the cases. They are items that people may never have seen in person, including the sticks of the production line, um, the skates that Dylan Larkin used to set the new speed record at the All-Star Game wow. in Nashville a couple of years ago, and a lot of cool stuff. Once you check out the cases, you've got to do a second lap around the Via to check out the banners. We have a lot of great players that are represented in pretty spectacular ways. You got Gordy House, Steve Iserman, Terry Sachuk, all really big, you know, right. fun banners to inspire that sense of the players that have contributed so much to the franchise. Um, then you got to walk around the Via a third time. And if you haven't noticed them before, and I doubt you wouldn't have noticed them, but make sure you catch the Olympia letters. So we have, minus the original O, <laughs> one of the signs or, or, or the, neon from, the neons from the original Olympia Stadium. Now, is there there's a story behind the... I don't know, you know, because it's, it's legend, you know, working in this building, everybody seems to know what's going on. I know how people are. That either you or somebody found the letters like in a storage bin or covered by a tarp or something. I, I mean, it, were there a lot of things that were placed to maybe be archived later or, oh, we'll get to it, where you open up a room and, you know, it's just dripping with history, mm -hmm. although you're not sure exactly what it is until you uncover it, I guess. Ab absolutely. So <laughs> the preservation of items sometimes is a very deliberate and careful process, mm -hmm. and sometimes it isn't. 
and sometimes people put things on side that they figure, you know, maybe we'll use this one day, maybe we won't, or we just can't leave that get lost. And people move on. And then the new people that come in have no idea that some of those items are around. So um, ultimately, this was one of those situations where very few people knew that the Olympia letters were in a warehouse somewhere. Um, I, I'll thank people like Al Sabatka and, and, and Pam Janik, who've been around for more than four decades. Oh, yeah, I wrote stories about and, both of them. I know them and both well. They just have such a wealth of institutional knowledge. And honestly, without those two, who knows if anybody you know, would have known that the Olympia letters were in a building somewhere else. Wow. So, uh, but a handful of people knew, but I didn't know and nobody told me you know, right. off the bat. Uh, it probably um, took, uh, I don't know, six, nine months before somebody mentioned, yeah, I think we got those letters, you know, in the warehouse somewhere. And that was your classic, wait, what moment. And um, we, um, we took a look at them, brought them over to the Joe and um, made some plans to reuse them. We had all of the letters except for the O. We had the O remade to the original specs. Mm -hmm. We had all the other letters cleaned up, but not too much. Again, remember we talked about authenticity right, right, at the right. beginning? So, um, you know, banging out a couple of dings and making sure that they come out the way they're supposed to, but didn't touch the rust, didn't, you know, fix too much right. of they the were structure. Out, they were outside for a long, long time. At for a very long time. And then they were inside under questionable conditions, perhaps, for <laughs> also a very long time. Uh, we also changed out the neons. And, um, and we put them up. And it is, um, it feels like a landmark artifact at Little Caesars Arena. Oh, it's, it's stunning. It's stunning. It really is. And we also tried to have the electrical cabling between the letters laid out the same way that it was back at Olympia Stadium. And, you know, the... The secret is in the details. Right. And as cool as the sign is, you don't really know how cool it is until you see it at night. When the night sky is upon us and the top of the arena gets dark and the Olympia neons are glowing bright. Right. And then just across the way, you've got that giant banner of Gordie Howe being lit by spotlights. Mm -hmm. It's, a, it's an iconic view of the inside of Little Caesars Arena. Yeah. I want to I'm talk about Gordy a little bit because, you know, the first sports book or book I ever wanted was Gordy Howe Number 9 by Stan Fischler many, many years ago, which I did receive and read. But he is such an iconic player. Uh, you know, people say, well, Wayne Gretzky might be the best. Wayne Gretzky says, no, Gordie Howe's the best. Scotty Bowman says, Gordie Howe's the best. I would say this. Perhaps as far as the most complete player, maybe it was Gordie Howe, because he was able to do everything. How difficult does that make your job when you have perhaps the greatest player in the history of the sport, because you want to do justice to him, mm -hmm. but as you said, the Red Wings have always been, and I'm going to use you know the Bo Schembechler line, the team, the team, the mm -hmm. team. So when you sit there and say, okay, Gordy's a great starting point, so how do you pay respect and homage to him, yet don't make it the Gordy Howe Arena, I guess? Absolutely. And it's, it's a big challenge. And there's no recipe, there's no roadmap to this. Uh, it's the kind of thing that you figure out as you go along. Right. Um, you, you definitely want to recognize Mr. Hockey. Uh, there are no two ways about it. And, and we can never pull athletes out of the context they, of their era. So whether Wayne Gretzky is, you know, greater or not, Maurice right. Richard, right, right. Mario Lemieux, right. you can't. They, they played in different eras. Right. Stats are not the same. 
but Gordie Howe was one of the athletes that was the most dominant in his sport in his era. Mm -hmm. and, and he did it for so long. Right. All right. You still did not want to try to push Gordie Howe around when he was with the Whalers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So right, right. Uh, his, the, the length of his career was phenomenal in addition to how he dominated. Uh, you know, what, uh, 20 seasons, uh, 20 goals? Right. Uh, unbelievable. Right. And just the quality of his performance throughout. And, and yet you're right, we don't want it to make it the Gordie Howe show or the Gordie Howe, you know, venue right. because uh, there were some other players. Is Gordie Howe as dominant as he was without Ted Lindsay or Alex Del Vecchio or without Terry Sachuk in goal during that incredible 50s dynasty? Right. Um, you know, we know of great players that have had phenomenal careers and could never win that Stanley Cup. Um, there, there's, there are a lot of circumstances that go with that. Right. So we try to choose some of the best Gordie Howe stories. We uh, clearly gave Gordie Howe a very special space. He is the largest banner in the arena. And, and not just a banner. This is not just right. a picture of, of, of Gordie Howe. This is, what people see is actual, actually a digitized version of an original oil on canvas painting that was made specifically for the arena, specifically to celebrate Gordie Howe as one of the great Detroit Red Wings. And as people take a look, they'll see there's a texture, there's a feel, there's a, yeah, just a mood around that piece that is unique. And we, we felt that we needed to do that for Gordie. Uh, there are a lot of cool Gordy artifacts from uh, sticks and pucks to pictures, old gloves right around the corner from right. us. Um, so can you ever do you know, justice to a player like, like Gordy Howe? Um, you know, surely not, but at the same time we had to carve out a little bit of room for a lot of other great Red Wings players and also for a lot of unsung heroes that uh, the, the years have, you know, hidden behind, you know, behind them. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, this is just such a phenomenal place and it was just so much fun to try to, you know, get all these stories out. Some of the unsung heroes, uh, I'm trying to think back when, when I was born, the Red Wings were really good then when I was really a big hockey fan, they weren't so good, and now they're, they're good again. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out, if I were to pick like an unsung hero, is it, is it somebody like a Bill LaHead who scores a goal that sends them, in, you know, keeps their playoff against the, you know, the Atlanta, um, the Atlanta Flames, or I, I'm trying to think uh, an unsung hero. Is it somebody who just played for the Red Wings for 15 years and kept his nose clean and was a good player and, you know, was a great teammate? Or is it somebody who had to do something extraordinary? Because, as you said, there's 900 players. So where, who's the unsung heroes in your mind, I guess? That's, that's a complex question, right? and I think that under the category of the unsung heroes are one, the ones who did extraordinary things that uh, for the younger generation may already be fading back in time. So right. let me give you a name. Your knowledge of Red Wings history, you're going to go, absolutely not. This guy is as, you know, present, but, but he's not. He, you know, if you ask the younger right. generations, they might have heard of him, they might not, but take somebody like Norm Allman. Oh, right. Normie Allman was a great, great, great Red Wing. Norm Allman is perhaps the greatest forward that the Red Wings have had that doesn't have his jersey retired. Unbelievable player. Right. And, uh, but Norm is already 50 years past right. and and 
He's done such great things. He was arguably, you know, <laughs> part of you know great Red Wings teams of the '60s. Right. Um, you know, so he's too important a player. He's one of the top hundreds in NHL history. Right. Right. Uh, and uh, it, for some fans, it was kind of you know a little bit of shocker, like, oh yeah, yeah, he right. played for the Red Wings. He was one of the heroes, you know, for the Red Wings right. for many years. He, he, I know Leaf fans are listening to this because yeah. they love this pie, and they think, well, he was a Leaf too. Of he was traded to Toronto. You talk to Norm Allman, no question, he is a Red Wing. <laughs> he is not a Maple Leaf. I'm sorry, that's going to let you fool by the. I mean, but you're right. There was a terrific, tremendous hockey player that. Uh, so I, I, I'm getting a, I'm yeah. beginning to see how you how uh, how this is coming together, Marcel. So then there are other uh, players that you know people might never have heard of uh, if they haven't gone through the history books. People like Mud Brunto, right, or even Johnny Scherf, and um, individuals with extraordinary stories right. uh, of their own and. Um, in the Ring of Honor, one of the highlights of heritage at Little Caesars Arena, there are stories about both of these individuals. So uh, for those who want to find out a little bit more, it's on the Upper Concourse, it's up in the northwest corner. And uh, the Ring of Honor itself is a tribute to all the championship teams. At the end of the day, you're really playing this game for the Stanley Cup. Right. And we're celebrating the 11 Stanley Cup teams of the Red Wings, the three, the three championship teams from the Pistons, and we have some really fun uh, you know, artifacts there and some great stories. Right. So we talk about the you know, critically important goal that you know, Mud Brunto had right. leading to you know, one of the Stanley Cup wins. We also talk about how Johnny Scherf was the first U.S. native and the first Michigan native to have his name inscribed on the Stanley Cup for the Detroit Red Wings. And it's a cool story right, because, yeah. you know, we feel very special about Michiganders who play for the Red Wings. Right. Now we celebrate the Kaiser, we celebrate Glenn Denning, we celebrate uh, Dylan Larkin, you know, just to name a couple that are on the team right now. Uh, but Johnny Scherf was arguably the first Michigander that we know of that played for the Red Wings. He was the first one to have his name inscribed on the Stanley Cup and one of the first Americans back in 37 to be inscribed, to have his name inscribed on the Stanley Cup. Wow, that's, uh, that's, a, that's yeah. pretty incredible. By, by the way, Art, related to Johnny Scherf, up in the Ring of Honor, we have his Stanley Cup medal. Oh, wow. So, as much of a hockey fan as I am, I had never heard of Stanley Cup medals. No, I, I never, this is the first I'm hearing of it, too. And I knew that over the years, you know, rings were not always a thing. Oh. All right? Before they were rings, sometimes Stanley Cup winning players got uh, microwaves, got TVs, got dish sets or trips. So the ring wasn't always a thing. And at one point in 1937, the, the Wings were given Stanley Cup medals and they are absolutely stunning. And I encourage people to go take a look at them. They're not very big. You really have to look for it. It's 15 16th of an inch across, so less than an inch. Wow. But it's got a beautiful pattern it was the first one of the type I'd ever seen, and it belonged to Johnny Scherf, and it's on loan from a private collector. Um, so these are some of the fun things and very unusual things that you'll find at Little Caesars Arena, and an opportunity to go back in time and see some of the heroes of yesteryears. When you, when you look at it, and, and there's so much to see, um, I'm still not sure in my advanced age, I quite understand the the big screen that has the players on it, or Henrik yes. Zetterberg skates sk sk yes. It's cool, and I know fans really like it. Is it that 
you can play with the Red Wings, you can take a picture with the Red Wings. I'm trying to, in my mind, figure out what exactly is that thing. All right. So <laughs> I like it. Don't get me wrong, Marcel. I'm not criticizing. No, we we wanted to we wanted the fans to have a little fun at Little Caesars Arena. So this uh, this particular screen is part of a project that we originally called the Augmented Reality Experience. Uh, that uh, became the Coca-Cola fan experience. And um, this is an opportunity for the fans to be in front of the screen and perhaps get a picture of themselves with one of their favorite players. We couldn't get everybody from the Red Wings to you know, be on there, but we chose a couple of you know, the fans' favorites. Right. And um, they're skating in, they're shooting pucks, they're... <laughs> It's, it's wild. It is wild. In fact, on uh, on uh, opening day uh, last week, at one point I took a picture with my, 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 my iPhone and counted more than 60 people gathered around the screen to take pictures. Um, and, and, you know, that's a, that, that's a fun component. You know, people come, you know, obviously to catch a hockey game and to right. soak in the atmosphere of hockey town. But we, we, we also want some fun, stop, some fun stops along the way. And a little bit uh, more uh, old school, but in a similar kind of uh, vein. Uh, people, as they walk around the Via, will come across part of the bench from Joe Louis Arena. Oh, wow. So um, at the beginning, people went by and say, hey, look, they've got a fake bench from Joe Louis Arena. No, it is not fake. It is part of the original bench. The boards are original. The front boards, back boards are original. The plexiglass is from the Joe. And the floor on which the bench is installed is the same stretch of floor that the bench was installed at the Joe when the players used it. So it makes for a really rich experience wow. because people can go over and touch the bench and touch the boards and they're pretty banged up, you know, right. because they've been used for years. Right, you know, right. Watch out for splinters on the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we also <laughs> added we also added images of again favorite Red Wings players there so that people can sit behind the bench and take a selfie with the players. Uh, you know, there's, there's a little bit of history there. There's a little bit of, you know, fun, fan experience. And, and um, you know, we hope that people find it uh, memorable and entertaining and, uh, uh, you know, part of a, a new experience at Little Caesars Arena. Yeah, I'm going to have to confess to you, Marcel, uh when the arena, I think it was for the first preseason game, in between periods, I walked around to get fans uh, how they felt about it, and virtually everybody loved it. And I sat on the bench next to Dylan Larkin, <laughs> and I leaned over like I was talking to him as a joke. Someone snapped a picture of it, and now it's all over the, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which makes me look like a, like a fanboy, I guess. <laughs> but but I mean, but I think that when I looked at that. That is just so cool. There's it, it's it's the current Red Wings or some of the current yeah. Red Wings, as you said, and you can sit on the you can sit on the bench like you're part of the team, I guess. But uh, how do you come up with that? I mean, where do you you know are you, do you sit there at night or you know, you wake up and you have a you know a pad and you write yes. stuff down and you say, listen, we we got to put you know some of the Joe in there because the Joe's boards, which were plywood, are iconic. And unfortunately, as much as maybe some of the Red Wing players, not the goalie so much, but some of the Red Wing players would like to bring those boards here, uh, they can't. They're mm -hmm. like standard NHL regulations. So I mean, that, because that, that, I am sure that that little exhibit there of the boards and the players and you can sit on the bench is something that fans just gravitate mm -hmm. to. You know, take pictures whether they sit there or not. I mean, it's... It seems like such a simple idea, yet how do you come up with it? I guess, you know, I'm, I'm trying to really, because look, you have done, and I'm not just saying, you've done an extraordinary job here, and I know it's, it's nowhere near, you know, your vision is still being germinated, shall we say, because there's so much, but 
you know, do you just sit there and say, hey, look, I got this idea. Do you, do you have to go through committee or, or, or what, what do you do? Or you just say, this is what we're doing. Well, you know, the first thing, Art, um, you know, thank you for your, your, your kind words. Um, I've got to say that it takes a village. Right. All right. So I happen to be sitting here with you for today, but um, none of this happens without dozens, if not hundreds of people. Uh, including some of my colleagues with the curation team, uh, some of the folks with the Red Wings and Olympia Entertainment, the creative team, the marketing team, uh, you know, the, the, the you know Coach Blaschel, Kenny Holland, of course, uh, you know Christopher Illich, uh, who is absolutely so passionate about this, has had you know was such a source of inspiration, mm -hmm. and. Um, as people in my line of work, you know, do. Um, also, you travel, you look around, both from your personal experience, you know, a professional experience. Right. You check out what other people have done, and you try to one upman them. <laughs> uh, and uh, you, uh, so there's a lot of source um, to how a lot of ways in which these ideas come together. Um, it, it, I, I, I want to point out, um, you know, you talk about how the bench is such a simple idea. Um, we try to have a diversity of experiences. Mm -hmm. So the last two things you brought up include one that is so old school and the previous one, which is very high tech. Right, the, the, the augmented reality. and the bench, right. And it was important for us to not only share the experience and the history of the Detroit Red Wings, but we wanted to um, share it in as many different ways as possible. We know that people come in, they, they learn things different ways, they react to different kind of experiences. So there's some things that we wanted people to be able to touch and feel and you know, feel the, how rough the bench was right. and how oh, yeah. banged up the boards were. And maybe you know, some of those folks are not big onto the interactive touchscreens or the augmented reality. We also had other folks who love to, you know, interact and, and, and have their, the experience change to what they want it to be. So we have some fancier technology in there and we've got stuff for people love to read, we've got videos, we've got images, we've got artifacts. So we really tried to tell those different stories in many different ways so that we could connect with as many fans as possible. The interactive screens, Yes, those are, again, I, for lack of a better word, I, you know, I should be a little more creative today, but uh, uh, incredible. They're just incredible. I know before we started the podcast, we walked around a little bit. You said, I've got to show you these screens. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you're a Red Wings fan, Pistons fan, or a fan of music, and this city has a long and illustrious history with music, um, you can spend hours w in front of these screens. Well, that's, we don't want to take anyone away from the game. I, yeah, I was going to ask you, I think you've been doing your job a little too well, baby. <laughs> no, but we, we, we'd, uh, we'd certainly uh, like to think that people enjoy the, uh, the heritage at the arena um, uh, sufficiently to come in a little earlier than they normally would. Um, the interactive touchscreens were um, truly a labor of love. Um, it's a wonderful medium, but it's got to be organized really well. And um, they are a work in, in, in progress, mainly because there is so much we can put on there. But we have packed, you know, just about as much information as you can in any one spot that somebody's willing right. to stand in front of. <laughs> and um, again, going back to the model I gave you a right. little earlier, you know, what are the great moments, the great right. milestones, the great players, the cool topics, the cool places and things. We try to start off with that and have as much of it as possible. So if there's a great Red Wings moment that was captured on video, right. 
all right? Not, not all of them, but probably the top 30 or so. It's probably on the interactive touchscreen. You want to see who's ever worn the Red Wings jersey for at least one game? They're all on there, and we have photographs from most of them. The Stanley Cup teams, who were on them? What was the path to the Stanley Cup? Who did they play? They're all on there. So there's a lot of fun stuff for people to explore. And we did the same for the Pistons. Uh, the music component um, is, is even more under development, but we've got great stories about music in Detroit, great venues, great musicians, great producers, and we're going to try to update those as new performers come to Little Caesars Arena. So a lot of great content. We hope people will have you know, fun with those. They can track down their favorite players, see their, their career stats, maybe catch, you know, see pictures of them that they might not have seen before. And if you're a season ticket holder, um, <coughs> we actually have a special component of the interactive touchscreens where we acknowledge and recognize all of the season ticket holders because they are such an important part of the success of the team and we celebrate you know people that are season ticket holders whether they've been with us for a year or whether they've been with us for decades and in some cases generations so we hope people will take some time to explore those and have a lot of fun and, and learn something new they may not have known is there anything coming up that you can give away that might be happening um, in the next month or two? Is there something that you might take out and put in? Um, is there something that fans are really going to enjoy that, Marcel, you and your team have not yet revealed? Yeah. Um, I would say that at the present time, we're trying to make sure that everything that went up for opening day is working well and is looking the way it's meant to uh, and there's still a little bit of tweaking going on everybody knows you buy a new house there's some tweaking going on you know a, a while after you move in um, I, I, I wouldn't worry about anything going out at the present time um, not in the, the next couple months but we are going to start to talk about some of the new stories that we want for next year. Mm -hmm. And um, as we add new stories, in some cases we'll find new spaces for those stories, but in some cases we'll want to replace some of the older stories. Right. Uh, and we haven't gotten there yet, Art, mm -hmm. to, 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 to be honest. Uh, but now is a good time to come and, and check it out. Uh, for more behind the scenes, you know, views of, of heritage. Um, there are also tours that are going on. I would encourage people to, you know, take a look. Uh, to, I'm, I'm not directly involved, but right. I, I know that on, on days where the, 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 the wings are not in town, there may be the possibility of seeing uh, artifacts that are not normally visible during game days. Mm -hmm. You know, that's all part of um, things that we're going to try to work out over the next couple of weeks and a couple of months. And uh, we'd love to have any feedback that people have for us uh, on how to make things even better, things we might have missed, things that uh, we may be wrong about. Uh, you know, that's part of, of putting this stuff out there. You know, it's... Uh, uh, we, we want to keep making it better all the time as the years go by. What kind of uh, feedback have you received thus far? Because everything is, what well, people love to complain to a guy like me, you know. They think somehow I can make their voices being heard, and I guess I, I, sometimes I can. But what have you heard? Because I have only heard, and, and these are hardcore Detroiters. I mean, people say, you know what, I'm... This is making me proud. I mean, you know, in very because this is a cynical little city, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> that people are just so I, I just captivated by this place. Yeah. People have been very, very kind. 
and we are so delighted. Again, Art, because it takes a village. So many people have worked on this. Mm -hmm. People internally, people externally. Um, it, was, it, it was a tremendous job by everybody involved to pull this together. And the media, the fans have been so kind with their feedback. And, and that's been wonderful. You know, it feels like you know, we've really been rewarded by their feedback. Um, that being said, occasionally there are some folks who uh, go through the weeds and uh, you know um, come up with some things, and we appreciate that. Right. Uh, we do. We, we've done a lot of research. Uh, we talked to a lot of folks, but it doesn't mean that everything we put out there is absolutely positively correct. As you know, right. you can spend ten years writing a book, and there's something that you missed or that you put in that came out wrong. Um, so just on you know this one one thing one example that came to mind when you mentioned that we have a display off of the Raymond's Club that celebrates team firsts and league firsts and generally speaking unique milestones had that that uh, Red Wings players have you know reached. And uh, one of them we celebrate is the five goals that Serge, Sergei Fedorov scored against in, Washington, against Washington yeah. in an overtime win. And um, there's a comment that came to me through one of my colleagues um, that somebody said, well, that's not correct. Other folks than Fedorov have scored five goals or even more in a game. And, um, that was that was, you know, the kind of reality check that we need. Fact of the matter is, the reason we put that particular milestone is that it is true. Other pe other players have scored, you know, five goals or more in a game. Right, right. But the spectacular thing about Fedorov's accomplishment was that he was the only one to score five goals in a game, and they were the only five goals of his team. Right, right. So, uh, you know, that was the only, you know, test we've had up to now, but we want to have this right for everyone and, uh, you know, not laying it out as a, <laughs> as a challenge, yeah, but, right. um, you know, we, we want to hear from the fans. What do you like? We'll do more of it. You know, what did you find? Um, you know, that's okay, but meh, I won't need to look at it a second time. And it helps us in how we develop this over the years. So the feedback is always great. When you have that moment when you're finally home after working your 23-hour days or something, uh, you know, you have your favorite beverage, whether it be just water or maybe some nice uh, wine or something, and you're, you're feeling good about yourself. What stands out in your mind where you're, and obviously you should be proud of this entire, this entire place, but what is your favorite? What, what really stands out to you? What are you saying, yeah, this is, this is what this arena is all about? Um. It's hard to choose. You're kind of asking me to choose between children. <laughs> I'm famous for asking that question. So uh, I'm going to slightly deflect it and, and, and put a couple of my favorite things okay, out great. there. Um, I, I think the Olympia sign, that was awesome. an unbelievable find. Uh, and the folks who helped us put it together, from cleaning up the letters, producing the O, putting it up there, you know, kudos. And when I see those pictures on Instagram, you know, I want to go, you know, guys, this is for all of you, right. guys and, and gals right, also. Right. Uh, I think that's pretty iconic. Um, I, I, I'm very proud of the selection of the artifacts around the Via. There are a lot of artifacts that have never been seen outside of the archives before. So that's really special. I think about the, uh, the stories that nobody could have expected, such as us getting on loan that Stanley Cup medal uh, from uh, Johnny Scherf. Right. Um, 
and I'll just come up with one more story for you uh, that I, I really like. Uh, and it's not so much putting it together, but finding these stories and right. finding a way to put it out there. Um, speaking of Stanley Cup rings, there are 11 Detroit Red Wings Stanley Cup teams that never received rings. So, 11 Stanley Cup teams, the last four have gotten rings, but the previous sevens, seven you know, Stanley mm -hmm. Cup winners never got rings done. And working with the um, great team uh, that are part of the Illich Archives, um, we came across a ring and a letter that brought to light uh, an incredible story for us. And it was that Mr. and Mrs. Illich realized that rings had never been given to Red Wings players before the 97 team. And they, they thought that was just an injustice. Mm -hmm. So they had multiple copies of the you know 2008 ring made extra rings and sent one to everyone that was still alive from those seven wow. teams that had won Stanley Cups and in the ring of honor you can see the ring and you can see a copy of the letter that Mr. and Mrs. Illich sent wow. everyone I think that that exemplifies the kind of thing that we really, really, you know, enjoyed the most. And we'll, we'll keep looking for more stories like these. And there's lots of great things, the banners, the artifacts, the videos, the right. benches. No, that's a great story. But that's... it's the things that nobody had any ideas, you know, any idea right, that right. that had happened. And that was, you know, a story. We were all so moved by that and felt that we needed to put that out there. Uh, I know we're kind of running out of time and there was a couple things that, uh, three more things that I want to get to very quickly, but I don't want to seem like we're giving them short shift, but obviously you're working in conjunction with the Pistons as That's well. Right. So even though you, you, you know, you've been doing the Red Wings for two years, the Pistons has been just several months at this point trying to get their heritage and their illustrious history in this building. And it's it's a pretty, it, despite what you may hear, it's kind of like a 50-50 proposition mm -hmm. even right now, but there will be more Piston things to come as well. Absolutely. Little Caesars Arena is the home to each one of the teams. It's the home of the Red Wings, and it's the home of the Detroit Pistons. Uh, we've had a shorter amount of time to work on Pistons heritage and the Pistons have been, you know, incredibly helpful and very enthusiastic about this process. Um, and we, we've tried to, you know, go down this road and have, um, you know, great artifacts, great stories. Let's not forget the Pistons are the oldest team in the NBA. A lot of people forget about that. Wow. Uh, and in fact, they're the second oldest professional basketball team in the United States, which may seem a little bit of a contradictory statement. Right. Do you want to try to guess who is the oldest professional basketball well, team I, in know, the U.S.? I'm going to say the Harlem Glo Globetrotters. You are absolutely correct. <laughs> and uh, the Harlem Globetrotters actually started off as a competitive team right. before they went it took the show on the road. It took show business, yes. yes. But uh, the, the Pistons are the next oldest team. They're wow. the only team from the 1941 league that still survive today. Wow. And they have a great history, great players, and they, they have a lot of really cool stories. So with the artifacts, with you know, the displays, We've tried to give them a, 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 an equal share, and as we go along, you know, we'll 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 catch up. Well, I know that because we've only been working on this a little more recently. If somebody actually goes around and does a count of items with a clipboard, uh, 
you know, there, 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 there are still a few short relative to the Red Wings, but you really have to look for it. And as, as time goes, goes by, we'll have both teams very well represented at Little Caesars Arena. Right. A lot of folks actually already think that the representation is already even. But well, we're working on that. And we're, we're going to have you on multiple times, Marcel, if, if, you, if you agree to it. Uh, and we'll talk about any time you want, anything that's happening. We certainly would love to, to sit down with you. One thing I have to ask you about in your previous job is you worked at the Muhammad Ali Center. That's correct. Uh, you know, and we talked about this off, off the podcast, but, you know, he, he had a residence or still maybe, but he lived in Michigan for a long time or he at did. least visited Michigan for a long time. Uh, such an iconic figure. What was that experience like for you? <laughs> how do you how I do you mean, describe spending time with Muhammad Ali? I mean, yeah, uh, I, I'm, I, I, that I'm envious about. Uh, so. uh, that's extraordinary. Um, obviously, it's it's a highlight right. of my life. Um, uh, Muhammad and his wife Lonnie have always been so gracious and uh, moments of interaction at the Ali Center were always uh, very special, even if uh, Parkinson's you know, limited Muhammad's ability to go out, uh, and increasingly so in the last few years. Um, uh, Muhammad and Lonnie had residents, and, and to be honest, uh, you know, please forgive me, I, I, I've lost you know, track of uh, of this, uh, for a long time they had a residence in Berrien Springs. They may still have it, right, right. Um, and uh, they felt uh, very warmly about Michigan. Michigan was a very special place they could retreat to, mm -hmm. away from the circus and many other cities. Uh, so I know there was always a fondness for this, uh, the, the this state, and uh, in terms of. You know, my time at the Ali Center, uh, it, it was extraordinary. That's a center with a strong social justice mission. Right. Um, and uh, sharing the life of Muhammad Ali and, and, and uh, building the kind of community activism locally, nationally, and internationally, um, that was something else that was an honor to be part of. Uh Tonight, the Red Wings, we're doing this on Friday morning or now early afternoon, are playing the Vegas Golden Knights. I know that your career has taken you to Vegas a few mm -hmm. times. Uh, I know opening night, that ceremony was mm -hmm. gut-wrenching and inspiring all at once. Tonight, from what I've been told, is that this is going to be an opening that's more like Vegas show, mm -hmm. that the Red Wings are going to be part of that. Um, not so much your thoughts about the tragedy that happened, because what, what can you say about it? It's a tragedy. But that city, what they're going through, what they're known for, what you've helped create in some of the, some of the venues there, uh, it looks like hockey's going to make it. It looks like it should be a great, a, a great environment. Yet, uh, you know, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, is that when you watch tonight's game, mm -hmm. and you're attached to that city as you are to our city, uh, what goes through your mind as you see the Vegas Golden Knights playing the Detroit Red Wings, knowing what that whole city's about, what you contributed, and what recently yeah. happened? Well, I, I spent 10 years, nearly 10 years in Las Vegas, and it's, uh, it, it's a city that's very different when you live there from when you travel there, either for play or even for work. Um, and, and it's got charm of its own. Um, I've got to say that um, I didn't set out to be necessarily a, a, a Knights fan, uh, <laughs> but um, I, I'm happy they're off to a good start. Now, of course, uh, I'd, I'd rather see, you know, the Wings wing, at the Wings win, um, you know, maybe in overtime so the Knights get one point out of it. <laughs> Uh, Different conferences, so it doesn't matter. There you go. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, Las Vegas has been a long-suffering town in terms of professional sports. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm delighted they got a hockey franchise. Um, 
Las Vegas is a tough town. You're only as good as what you've done last week. Mm -hmm. So they, the, the, the hockey team will have a very high bar to reach and stay at. Uh, but we wish them all the best and they're off to a spectacular start. And apart from tonight's game, I hope they uh, keep in their winning ways. And they've done, they did such a, a, a powerful job at their own, their own opener. And, uh, uh, and now they recognize some of the people that were involved. And I hope that uh, it, it, it motivates them right. for the whole season. Well, you know, I, and I, I can tell thinking about it, you're getting a little emotional just thinking about what happened. And, you know, I get emotional thinking about what happened. And I visited Las Vegas for the first time in my life the day after Labor Day for, for four days. And I wasn't sure how I was going to mm -hmm. like it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, there, I think it's the most American city in the world. <laughs> I mean, if that makes any sense. Uh, it has everything that America is about. Las Vegas, Nevada has it, mm -hmm. and you know, and uh, it's it's quite an environment. I know friends of mine say, "Oh, I can't stand a place for yeah. people that love it," but there is a vibe there yeah. that is purely American, if that makes sense. It's it, it is, and let's not forget, you know, beyond the neon lights right. and the casinos and the drinking and everything else, uh, Las Vegas, as we found out. Uh, Well, is is a city with real people that live there? Right, right. You think that it's just a high roller? We you just know, see the, the rat surface, pack flies in and out. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, millions of people flying in for a weekend and doing crazy stuff. But the the, the, the background, the texture of Las Vegas is kept together by real people that live there, and. Well, that, that, that's important. Right, it is, Marcel, and I can tell just by, uh, you know, I, I want to end on a little more positive note. I know you're a curator because you have really cool socks on. <laughs> no, those, are, those, are, those are beautiful. I, really, I, I admire them a lot, but uh, uh, we go on, uh, you know, uh, and, and we will, but I appreciate you sitting down uh, doing this, this the, the Red and White Authority with us. You've done an extraordinary job. Uh, I can tell just by talking about it that you're a convicted man, a man of passion, and you're a real good guy. And uh, I, words cannot express my gratitude. This was, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for joining well, us. The honor was all mine, Art. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.